I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Buck Sexton, and you're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast, part of the Clay Travers and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and it is great to have you tuning in to the podcast today. I have a special guest, and what I love about this guest is, first of all, I've been to a lot of events with Republican governors, and all of them surprise me about how inviting they are and how kind they are. And I've always imagined those folks like surrounded by security, untouchable, not willing to speak with you. But they all do, especially my guest today. He's one of the first governors to take time to talk with me about my race when I ran in Michigan. And every time I see him, he takes time to chat. And I'm so glad he's joining me today. Governor Kevin Stitt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my honor. Thanks for thanks for having me on, Tudor. And uh, we followed your race real closely and uh, you made us proud. Thank you. Now you're following another race, though. So I want to jump into that. I know we have a short amount of time with you, but we have all been watching the presidential race and you came out out with a big endorsement for Governor Ron DeSantis. So tell us a little bit about why you did that. Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, you know, I know Ron, I know really all the people running and, and uh, I watched him leave during COVID and you don't know the pressure on governors during that time period. And, and when we were being pushed to do mass mandates and me and Ron were one of the few governors that refused to do a mass mandate statewide. We kept our states open and and I just saw what a leader he was, how much pressure he was under and how he was kind of the point of the spear as the national media was attacking him. He never backed down. And so then I look at who can beat Joe Biden. We have got to win the White House back. And I think Ron DeSantis is the right guy. And when we do get back into the White House, we need someone who can win and who can be there for the next eight years. And so for all those reasons, uh, I think we have a winner in Ron DeSantis and, and uh, certainly support him for president. Well, there's been some folks that have said they they thought he waited too long. They didn't think his rollout was great. There have been some concerns about some of his his events with his teams and, and whatnot. So 
give us a little bit of insight into the Ron DeSantis, like his him as a person that you know that we don't know about him and why why you think that he is going to surpass everybody else. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you look at the the fundraising. He's got the the resources. He's got the fundraising, and and that's just people being critical. Uh, you know, he had millions and millions of people tuned into his his launch, and uh, it actually crashed Twitter. So uh, that's a good thing, uh, in my opinion. But I saw him with his wife. His wife is wonderful. Casey's great, and I saw him with his three kids. And uh, he's just a dad like all of us. We've got Father's Day coming up this weekend, and. And uh, I saw him with his five-year-old and teaching him how to catch the baseball. And his five-year-old's got a really good arm. And, and I know Ron is a huge baseball fan. And so that's right. it was so fun watching him out there. And uh, I've got six children. And so uh, we've got day jobs. But also, we're just trying to be good husbands, good fathers to our kids. And, and uh, man, just respect the heck out of him. And, uh, but I'm just telling America, he is the right guy. He's a leader. Um, he can beat Joe Biden. He's never going to back down. And he represents our values uh, and our conservative values of freedom and faith and country. And, uh, and, and you know, we've talked about this. We don't put the Constitution in the attic just because somebody in Washington, D.C. tells us to because there's a pandemic. And so that's what I believed in Oklahoma. And I know that's the way he led Florida. And I believe we need a, we need a governor uh, that's ready to lead on day one. And that's Ron DeSantis. Okay, so you talked about being a dad. That is where I want to go next because you signed a bill that I find very important as a mom, the Save Women's Sports Act. That to me is key. You hear just just this week, I think it was, the the uh, press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked about protecting women's sports, and she said that that was calling transgender kids dangerous. Why did you sign it? And how do you think that you can convince other folks that it is really genuinely loving and caring to support women and protect their sports? I signed that bill last year and probably my my uh, uh, favorite bill that I signed all of last year uh, because it's so common sense to us in Oklahoma. And I think for most Americans, and it basically just says that boys are going to compete against boys. Girls are going to compete against girls uh, because it's a fairness issue. And you don't know how many uh, college athletes and, 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 and girls and women came to me and little 14-year-old volleyball players and, and soccer players and just thanking me. One, one, one uh, young lady that uh, had a scholarship at the University of Oklahoma on a track team, she just said, Governor, thank you. She goes, I am getting a job as an engineer now. I would have never been able to go to college without my scholarship. And the fact that you protected that and you know that you believe in fairness and fair competition, she just said that just means the world to me. And so we forget about we're not against any one person, but we know right. We know what fairness is. And I'm not going to let a biological male who is different than a female compete in sports against them. And so, again, total common sense. The Washington Post interviewed me and were like they were they were asking me like, man, I cannot believe uh, you, you, you signed this controversial bill. And I like, hey, it's not really controversial in Oklahoma. And uh, they just, some people in the liberal media just don't, 
they don't they don't understand it. No, I think that's true. And and I think that if you go across the country, you would see even in polling that it's not really controversial. Most people say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> give women a chance. They fought really hard to be able to do this. Let them do it. But I think what you said there is so key. You had a young woman come to you and say, I wouldn't be able to go to college without this. These are people who they're getting up at 5 a.m. to be in the swimming pool. They're going out and they're staying on the track track. Um, late with their their friends with their teammates they are putting in the work and and they're not it's not okay that biologically they don't have the same advantages as a man you shouldn't be taking away their future because they're putting in the work really not just for the sport but for opportunities outside of the sport for careers that's exactly right uh, you know and the other really champion in this issue is Riley Gaines and if you talk to her she came by the Oklahoma Capitol I got a chance to hang out with her and uh, just an amazing story uh, that the, the, the male that she competed against in those swimming events was swam. This is something Americans need to know. For three years, he was on the men's University of Penn team, was ranked like 450th in the country, flipped to the women's side, and was ranked number one in the country. And so, again, that's the discrepancy. He was 450th on the men's side, flipped and, and, and started swimming as a, as a female, and, and is ranked number one in the country. Again, if you just look at this on its face – it's nonsense. And, and I think Americans know it. Uh, and again, this isn't against anyone. I mean, we, we believe in freedoms, and, and, uh, but we're not going to turn over and, and, and all of a sudden say that there's not going to be a fair competition for our wonderful young ladies that, like you said, get up at four, five in the morning and are fighting for that scholarship and fair competition. It just makes common sense to us in Oklahoma for sure. Yeah, it's not against anyone. It's actually for a group that has fought before and is now fighting again. Uh, another issue that I would say is not against anybody, but it's for people is education freedom. So tell us a little bit about Aspire. Yeah, so I was today. My biggest piece of legislation I got passed this year was, uh, uh, you know, education freedom in Oklahoma. And uh, the last four years, I've put more money in public education than the last 25 years in the state of Oklahoma. So we, I'm the education governor and we're gonna promote teachers. I gave our wonderful teachers a pay raise this year, but at the same time, there's some schools that aren't thriving and some kids aren't thriving in those schools, whether they're being bullied or uh, maybe they're, they're, their parents think that they're getting in with the wrong crowd and they just need another option. And I tell people that school choice should not be just for the rich. It should be for every single citizen. And so we passed a scholarship, or we call it a refundable tax credit, where now any parent, regardless of income, has between $5,000 to $7,500 to take to go to a private school, a Christian school, a Catholic school, um, any school of their choice where they, that parent feels like, maybe that's a better option for my kid. And what is the government doing? Really, when you step back, why would the government stand in the way of parents' rights to choose where they're going to send their kids to school. We don't believe you should be stuck in a zip code school in Oklahoma, and we're trying to in inject some competition into our uh, into our education system. You've had this big win, Iowa, Arkansas. We're seeing this Florida. We're seeing this spread across the country. 
I think that COVID really pushed parents to say, wow, I might, I might need a different option. They saw different things happening in their schools. Their schools were closed down. They needed to get their kids back into a school that fit their child. And it changed the world in a, in a certain way because there have been people fighting for education freedom for, for decades. And all of a sudden, we've seen this massive switchover. For those who are critics of education freedom, how do you combat their concerns? Because oftentimes, I do think it's a lack of fully understanding understanding the opportunity for all people, not just, I mean, like you said, they'll say, oh, this is just for the rich, but it's really giving everybody an option. That's exactly right. You know, a lot of the rural communities said, hey, well, there are no private schools in our area. Uh, Then there's nothing to worry about. But I tell people, if you're getting your kids college ready or career ready, you've got nothing to worry about. You're going to be attractive. But what about that failing school? What are we doing with that school district that that has high dropout rates and, and, and low test scores. And a lot of times they're in a very, um, you know, a poor area of town and, and, and minority area of town um, that these parents feel like they're stuck. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I had so many parents call me during COVID. We, we 98% of our school districts were open, but we had one large school district that was closed for 355 days in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And those moms called me and they would say, Governor, what am I supposed to do? My first grader is not learning how to read on Zoom. You remember that? It would just break your heart. And my kids were in school the whole time. Um, but that's the hypocrisy of some. There's some some blue state governors that closed their public schools down, yet their kids were in private schools in person when they were saying it wasn't safe. And so I don't, I never want that to happen. I now we have open transfer. And now that, that mom, uh, if a school district decides to close down, God forbid, they need options to move to a school that is open. That's going to be, and, and who knows a kid better than a parent. I believe God gave kids to parents, not to the government. So let's break up the monopoly and let parents choose what's right for them. Well, it's funny to me because one of the arguments that I'll hear is, well, some parents won't take their kids out of the the failing school. And I think that the same people who are telling me let parents decide are complaining that some parents won't make that decision. Well, okay. So then it does force the school to say, if we end up with a school that has kids that are not meeting the requirements, if you had a business and you were making 75% scrap parts that you couldn't use you wouldn't continue doing the same thing. We have to, at some point, force some of these schools that are not graduating students to to look at themselves for some self-reflection and say, we've got to do something different to help these kids. Tudor, I'll tell you, uh, we've got a charter school in Oklahoma City called Santa Fe South. They have 4,000 kids in this charter school, and they have multiple elementary schools. And and there's 1,000 on the waiting list just to get in. And so we want more charter schools. I just set up an aviation school in Norman where if you're a junior in high school and you want to be an airline mechanic or if you want to be a pilot, you can start going to this special high school. By the time you graduate, you're an A&P mechanic. We need to rethink our education system to say when kids graduate from high school, they should be career ready or they should be college ready. And I think Europe does that so much better. I've studied what they do in Germany. Uh, their trade schools. When these kids graduate, they've already had uh, internships. They already know what company they're going to go work for. They already have a skill that they know that they are, they're ready to go become uh, 
uh, go work and like, for example, in the AMP and, and become an airline mechanic. So we need to think through that. Not every kid's going to go to higher ed. So when I say more options, I want more schools like that aviation school that are specific for the big factory or the big company uh, that are coming into uh, to Oklahoma right now. Well, and their kids are overseas. Oftentimes they're studying for a specific career. And so, that, and that's starting when you're 14 or 15 years old. In fact, even in India, there are parents who get really involved in math and science because they believe that those are the best careers for their students. So they have school and then they have tutoring outside of school, which I think is kind of interesting because it sort of forces parental involvement. And that's one of the things that I've had people say, well, you can't make parents be involved. Well, in in certain situations, you can kind of bring parents together in a different way that maybe hadn't thought that they needed to be as involved. I think even in our school, I see sometimes the parents are more involved and sometimes the parents step back and then the teachers step in and they say, you have to help study. And and sadly, I actually learn things when I help my kids study. I'm like, how did I miss this in school? <laughs> no, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, uh, that's back to my fatherhood initiative and, and the things we're doing in Oklahoma on fatherhood. When we have moms and dads involved in their kids' lives and 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 they're working together and and uh, they're investing in their kids, they're focused on what is the best outcome for our children. Uh, that's the the best scenario. And so we know that. Unfortunately, not everybody has that. Uh, but the more we can promote uh, moms and dads being involved in their kids' lives, the better off we're going to be. Uh, our teachers have a tough job, and that's why we want we gave our teachers a, between a three to six thousand dollar pay raise this year because we want to promote that profession. Uh, they give back to that next generation. Uh, that's so so important. But yeah, the more we can encourage parents, moms, and dads to be involved in their kids' education, I think the better off we're going to be. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to switch now to business because I think one of the coolest things is that we have a lot of governors who came from the business world who became very successful in the business world and then decided to leave that and serve. And that can be a hard thing. I think it's really hard for us to get people to serve in their 40s and 50s because it's the that prime time in their career. But you are one of those people that came from the business world so successful, and you've brought that expertise to Oklahoma, and you're bringing businesses to Oklahoma. Now, right now, we're in this place where we're seeing people across the country that are concerned about bringing other countries' businesses, especially China, into the United States. You've been successful finding allied countries and bringing businesses into Oklahoma, but also recruiting local American businesses as well. Tell us why, why, what is the secret? How do you do that? And why is that so important? Thanks for saying that. You know, uh, when I took over as governor, we were having billion dollar budget deficits. We had no money in savings. And we just finished my fifth session. We have a $6.2 billion savings account now, which is amazing. I cut taxes for Oklahomans. Uh, We've gotten rid of about 25% of our regulations. We want to be the most business-friendly state in the entire country. And so it's working. And then also, you can see the picture behind me. Everybody thinks of Oklahoma as as huge oil and gas. We're so proud of that. Uh, We're like number five in the country in oil production and number three in natural gas. But we also are leaning into renewables. We are number two in wind energy production now. Uh, we've got hydrogen in Oklahoma. So that's all led to the most affordable, reliable energy grid in the entire country. Uh, so in other words, 11 out of the last 15 quarters, it was the most affordable cost to the consumer. So if you add all that up, a reliable grid, uh, an affordable grid, affordable electricity, and then you think about our pro-business environment, uh, our workforce, and the arbitrage we have, meaning uh, our cost of living is 400% less than California and on the coast, then companies are flooding to states like Oklahoma. And so that's what we're excited about. We just landed our biggest uh, biggest company ever uh, in eastern Oklahoma. We've got another a bigger one than that that we're on the one-yard line with. Um, so Oklahoma is becoming the place to be. We're top 10 in migration, people moving to our state because they saw what happened in California as they were shutting things down and they saw what happened in other states. And so now um, people are loving our pro-business, pro-freedom policy. So I think a lot of it is just getting out of the way and making sure we're clear with the rules, but we never play gotcha with businesses and let businesses go compete. That's all businesses want is they just don't want the government picking winners and losers or picking their competition over them, have a level playing field and let the businesses go compete. And that's what they find in Oklahoma and Texas and Florida and Tennessee and some of our states. You've done great things. You're getting a lot of press recently. I mean, as these bills have been signed, people are starting to say, Hmm, what's happening in Oklahoma? Before I let you go, what is the future for Governor Stitt? <laughs> well, uh, I am. I'm just. It's an honor to serve as uh, as the governor of the state, and and uh, um, so I've got three more years, and then and then we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, but man, I'm just cheering on right now. 
um, the Republican Party and 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 trying to promote our values. I sent a hundred troops to the border with Governor Abbott in Texas because I mean we could talk about that for the next thirty minutes. Uh, the abdication of duty from the federal government, and the Biden administration to open borders. I mean, when did open borders and securing our country become a political issue? Um, so when did energy independence become a political issue? Every president of the United States since 1978 had an energy independence policy. Like, hey, let's let's meet the needs of our own citizens with our own resources. And now Biden tries to cancel the oil and gas industry and tries to have to buy from our enemies. It's just nonsense. And so we need common sense in Washington, D.C. And uh, we're excited to take our country back. And, and we need we need ladies like you stepping up in Michigan and we need to turn Michigan red again. Well, that's the plan. And I know that you will help us any way you can. I'm so glad you came on today because I really want people to get to know you. I just I hear the passion in your voice. I don't think that three years is enough. So we're going to recruit you for something else. But I appreciate having you here today. Governor Kevin Stitt, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tudor. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check out iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you join us next time. Have an awesome day. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.